Welcome to another episode of the Work Hard, Play Hard podcast. My name is Rob Murgatroyd, and each week on this podcast, I talk to some of the most fascinating people on the planet in all areas of life, from mindset to fitness to spirituality, and of course, business. Look, I believe you deserve success in all the areas of your life, not only business. But before we get into today's show, you may want to join us on our next Work Hard, Play Hard experience. This year, we're going to be going to Mykonos and Marrakesh. In these experiences, I have hand-selected a group of high-performing business people who are seeking more balance, connection, and they want to celebrate their wins as a reward for the hard work that they put in. If you want someone to curate once-in-a-lifetime experiences and force you to play more, rush over to workhardplayhardexperience.com. Fill out an application so we can jump on a discovery call to see if this is a good fit for you. And remember, excuses are over. It's time to live. My slogan is keep it quirky. My personal slogan and also like I end every YouTube video, I post weekly on YouTube and every video I end with keep it quirky because I believe that life is more fun if you keep it quirky. Typically, I dip my toe in something, do a video about it, I move on. I go to the next video, I dip my toe in the next thing. I did not want to stop learning about cheese. I was like, okay, where's the next cheese place I can go to do this other video? Professionally and personally, living here has been such a rich experience. In fact, I have found new motivation, new inspiration everywhere I look. Every time I step out my door, I get new ideas. Hey, everybody, welcome to another episode of the Work Hard, Play Hard show. Today, we have Katie Quinn on the show. Who is Katie Quinn? So Katie is a YouTuber for sure. She wears a lot of hats. She started off as an escort on Saturday Night Live and as salacious as that sounds, it wasn't actually an escort in the way that you're thinking. She actually escorted people in to Saturday Night Live. She wound up in the green room on the Today Show and she's written all kinds of books. In fact, she's got a new book out called Cheese, Wine and Bread, Discovering the Magic of Fermentation. So why is Katie on the show? Katie's on the show because she is truly living a dream life. We're doing uh, a series now of people who are living in different countries, who've made a decision to change things up, and Katie certainly has. She recognized that she wasn't all that excited with the glamorous life of living in New York and uh, working as much as she learned, working on Saturday Night Live and the Today Show. She knew there was something missing. And so she decided that she was going to take a leap and do something that she was really passionate about. And that led her to Paris to go to school in Le Cordon Bleu. And that led her then to live in England. And then it led her to now living in Italy. Uh, She's living in uh, the Puglia region of Italy on the coast. I came across Katie watching her YouTube videos and I fell in love with her. She is um, quirky. She calls herself quirky, so I don't feel bad about calling, calling her quirky. Um, she's got a whole quirky uh, crew of people that follow her. But what she really is, is someone that um, clearly lights a room up when she walks in it. So I can go on and on uh, gushing over uh, Katie, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leave it to this interview because in, in two seconds, you're going to know exactly what I'm talking about. So let's jump right into it. Please enjoy this conversation with Katie Quinn. Katie, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here. You know, I am super excited to have you on the show because you truly exemplify somebody who is going after her dreams. And as we speak and judging from the red, white, and green um, (laughs) behind you, I'm assuming that you're in Italy right now and uh, you got a lot of good things coming. You're about to release a a book, Cheese, Wine, and Bread. And I I can't think of a better title for a book ever um, because if you don't... (laughs) If you don't like one, you like the other two. Um, (laughs) And we're going to get into all of that. So welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you so much. I'm really happy to be here. And you guessed right. Yeah, I'm I'm at home in Italy. Happy and happy to be on the podcast. 
Beautiful. Okay. So I want to pick up your story in New York, where you were working as a uh, production assistant for uh, NBC, among other things, after college. And, you know, you did everything from working in the green room uh, at the Today Show to being an escort, which I'm not really sure what an escort does um, for Saturday Night Live. Um, Can you describe a little bit more about what those jobs uh, were like, particularly the escort? I'm, I'm mostly interested in that. Yeah, yeah, totally. Also, I'm really impressed. You really did your research. Yeah. So being an escort for SNL was basically uh, making sure that the celebrities got... Well, okay. Actually, there were, there were, a, couple, there were a couple different parts to it. So as a, a general page duty, we were in charge of escorting audience in and out of the actual studio. So that's one kind of of escort duty. The other kind of duty, uh, which was also something I had, which was an assignment that you actually had to interview for and were assigned. And this was a part of the talent division at SNL. And this, this is where I was starting to go. This is where we are doing the little details to make sure that the celebrity guest has everything that they might want or need, we would go set up the after party, which would be at various locations in New York City. Um, You know, it would start at like 1130 in the evening. And then there was also an after after party, but we didn't, we I didn't organize that. But anyway, so we would go to the after party location, put table designations, assignments where people were supposed to be sitting next to whom. That's really cool. You know, I'm so excited to be with you that I got the same glasses as you. (laughs) We're matching. (laughs) (laughs) So a little bit of low-hanging fruit question that I know people um, would be interested in because SNL is such an institution. So I'll uh, I'll pick a few low-hanging fruit questions. What was it like if you had a chance to meet or hang out with uh, Lorne Michaels? Ah, so I... He is like the king, right? And it's like people like almost like tiptoe around him. Like he's very elusive. Yes. (laughs) So I never had a conversation with him. I saw him, I passed him, but he's not really the kind of dude you just like, yo, Lauren, what's up? Like you have to... Like reach a certain level before you can even try and make eye contact with him. <laughs> That's really funny. It's in his rider. Did you know yeah. that Dr. Evil um, was um, modeled after him? Did you know that? <laughs> no, I did not. I'm not entirely surprised though. <laughs> yeah, I um, I listened to uh, Rob Lowe's podcast and Rob Lowe has hosted Saturday Night Live a bunch of times. And he was obviously in all the Dr. Evil, whatever they're called, Austin Powers movies. Yeah, yeah. And they, one of the one of his guests asked him, and he's like, "You're joking, right?" And he goes, "No, no. Who's Doctor Evil?" He goes, "It's Lorne Michaels." And then he did his imitation of Lorne Michaels. And if you listen to Lorne and Doctor Evil, they're the same person. It oh was, my god! It's really, really crazy. I thought I thought you'd find that interesting. I'm gonna have to go and do that. Do that comparison side by side. You, you'd get a kick out of it. Okay, so now uh, if we move forward a little bit, you're you're in New York. You know, you just graduated school. You're working for NBC, trying to figure your life out. And you're around some of the the most intense smells of food, the most intense cultures around different kinds of foods, and that is being in the belly of the beast, right, in New York. And you got the food bug. And somehow you found uh, yourself writing for uh, James Beard's food blog, which, by the way, kudos, that's that's got to be, you know, you went right to the top. You didn't write, you know, for Mary Jo's food blog. This is James Beard's. Well, so um, let me, sorry, just, uh, so I wrote for Serious Eats, which is a James Beard award-winning food blog. I didn't ah. write for the actual James Beard food blog, but I wrote for an incredible and James Beard award-winning food blog, Serious Eats. So, so yeah, I we was still. I think that it it still fits that I I didn't I didn't mess around. <laughs> hey, I mean, yeah, it does. And listen, let's not confuse the facts with a good story. So that that was <laughs> that was that was perfect. So what was it about food that made you want to get into you know writing for the blog? Here you are, like you're in Manhattan and you're you, you got uh, you got Saturday Night Live and you got the Today Show and you know everybody's like lining up around the buildings to get into these things. But you're going, mm, 
I think I want to go. I, I want to do food. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I enjoyed every, everything that I did, everything at, at the Today Show when I worked at the, the morning show, everything at SNL, the entertainment stuff was all really interesting. I also had an assignment at NBC News specials, and this was elect, for, like, for the election was when Barack Obama got elected. And that was so exciting. But there was something about each of those things that didn't completely click. I was like, this is fascinating and sometimes really fun and and I like it. But there was something about food that just drew me. Like that I just, you know, when so it's inexplicable. You're just like drawn almost like just from your gut, you're just drawn somewhere. I mean, not to, yeah, no, no pun, pun intended. Pun, with pun, pun, pun intended. It's a, it's a perfect, fun, it's a perfect pun. Well, not only did food draw you in, you actually went deeper, and you said, you know what, writing for this blog isn't enough. I'm actually going to fly to Paris. I'm going to attend Le Cordon Bleu, which, by the way. Um, is definitely can't be miscommunicated. Um, that is the real deal right there. I think that's the yeah. Julia Child. Is that where she went yeah, to? Yeah, yep. Okay. Very well. So this is this is like the real deal, right? Um, so you go, you go to Paris, you attend Cordon Bleu. Then you come back to the States and you start uh, a YouTube channel. And then you say, mm, I gotta go back to Europe. So you go back <laughs> to Europe and you decide to live in London. Why did you do all that? Um, and why London? Okay, so London was happenstance because I I followed my love. I followed my love, and this time not my love of food, mm-hmm. uh, my love of a, of another human, of a fellow human being. The the man who is now my husband, Connor. His job. So we were living in New York City, and his job. Uh, he had an opportunity to go to London, and I said, yeah, sign me up. I will happily go with you for the same reason that I wanted to go to Paris and that I am now find myself in Italy. I love to experience new places and new things and new cultures. And I will never say no to that opportunity. And I will I will seek it out in many cases. But the London thing, it kind of was like, all right, Connor's going to go. Do I go? And yeah, absolutely was my answer. Okay. But you guys were not married at that point, right? Not yet. Yeah. We weren't okay. married. And we he's were an engaged. Amer- he's an American? Yes. Okay. So he's an American. You're not married. You, you roll the dice, say, I hope this relationship works and you cross your fingers and you go <laughs> to London and you're in London for how long? We were in London total for about three and a half years. Okay, let's talk about living in England. And the reason why I want to take a, a minute or two on this in this area is I'm doing a series for this podcast. The podcast is called Work Hard, Play Hard. And it's it's all about people who are, you know, spend so much time working that they forget to play. Mm. And so I'm interviewing people on one side of the equation where all they do is work and they recognize they need play. And I'm interviewing people on the other side of the equation where they're like, I play all the time, but I'm broke and <laughs> I, need to, I need actually to do something. So I'm, I'm, I'm working in the balance between work and play, right? You're never going to be perfectly balanced, but you're, you, know, you want to get more in that. So since the pandemic has happened, this last year has been a shit show for Americans, whether it is riots or it is storm in the Capitol or it's Black Lives Matter people or COVID. And people are reevaluating everything in their life. And they're saying like, look, this is not a dress rehearsal. Like, like this is real. This is our life. How do we want to live it? Where do we want to live it? So I'm always seeking people like you who are not just complaining, you're happily stepping into new experiences. So with that as a, as a lens, living in London, what was that like for you as somebody who came from Ohio and then Florida and then New York and now London? By the way, is it amazing how much I know about your life? Yeah, it really, it really is. It, isn't, it, isn't it freaky? <laughs> Yeah, a little bit, a little bit. This is a weird uh, first. This is a you could tell Connor this is a very strange first date, but go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm impressed. I'm very impressed. Um, so, honestly, when we moved to London, I, I actually underestimated the cultural differences. 
Mm. Because I, I mean, honestly, it was like a total New Yorker mentality. It was like, mm. I've lived in New York for a decade. Oh my God, I can live mm. anywhere. Like it was totally this thing yeah. of like, I've done New York, whatever. Like I get, if you, and you know, if one, you, if you could make one, it there, you could make it anywhere. Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Exactly. That was the mentality I had. And I was like, London's another major cosmopolitan city, like English speaking. Mm-hmm. What's going to be the big difference? Um, so that's actually the mentality that I had going into it. And I was therefore setting myself up to be shocked uh, by, by the many differences. I think as an American and as an outgoing kind of like mm-hmm. <laughs> big smiley, like big personality American, um, I, it took some adjusting to like, oh, like when, when I'm really out there and like introduce myself to someone with like big energy, um, it doesn't go over really well. Honestly, I, they, they kind of don't know what to do with it. It's, it's a lot to take in, uh, in, in the British culture. They're just a little more reserved. Um, and then, you know, like finding friends at, it was it was that same kind of thing, both professionally and finding a social community. It was kind of like I felt unexpectedly very out of my element. But I was then I felt this like curiosity and this motivation that I had lost in New York. Like by at the end of like the 10 years of living in New York, I was like, Okay, I'm I'm done. Like no more friends. Like okay, it, I love meeting new people and and great. <clears throat> you know, I'll maybe get a happy hour drink with you. But like, I'm at my capacity. I'm sorry, no more friends. You know, just like that kind of that kind of thinking. And so it it completely it it put me back into just like the first day of school when you go to college. It's like who are my friends going to be? <laughs> I need to be open to meeting new people. I need to be open to doing new things. Because I am so far outside my comfort zone. This is interesting. I interviewed somebody um, who's a digital nomad. And uh, she said, you know, I've spent the last 20 years going to new locations. And she had the exact same reaction as you. She kind of had her fill. She was in New York and she had her fill of, you know, everything that she was doing there. And then when she went to a new location, everything was new. Uh, The language was new. The people were new. And she was so much more not on autopilot because she was looking to, um, you know, listen to new languages and to see new foods, uh, to taste new foods and to see new buildings and structures. And um, that caused her to be, you know, much more intentional about who her friends were and the things that she did, et cetera. It wound up being so addicting that she quickly started adapting to places pretty quickly, and then she was searching for that high um, mm. of of doing that. So it's it's very interesting, and you know, I could see how your personality w- would because I have a, a similar big personality, and I could see how you know when you when you're coming up against somebody who was raised to have a stiff upper lip and to keep everything reserved and you want to give them a big hug and a kiss and they're mm-hmm. like you know as close as they are to Italy they they're a lot further away um, right. but but i could see how italy would be more your jam which were one more food metaphor but then we're going to get into that uh in a second <laughs> um okay so so in those years in london did you eventually say this just isn't for me or did he get reload? Did Connor get relocated uh, to Italy? So Connor's company shut down. COVID casualty. Connor's wow. company, and with with very short notice, we realized, okay, our visas, our our ability to be in this country, that has just evaporated. So we we need to be out of the country in sixty days. Is that what? how that works? If the yeah. company goes down, so you have a, just just for people listening, mm-hmm. you have to get a visa to live in Europe. So when right. you get a visa, as long as you're working, you have a work visa and you Correct. can operate off of that visa. But if the company you're working for folds, well, then you don't have a visa. So they exactly. give you 60 days to shit or get off the pot and you got to figure <laughs> out what, you, what you're going to do, right? Exactly. And although it was a complete surprise, I mean, no, no one neither Connor nor his colleagues saw this coming. 
we actually had Italy as like the immediate backup plan because I had been doing research and some heritage digging in terms of, okay, so my grandma is is 100% Italian. Her parents immigrated from Italy to the States. And like, wow, I wonder what's there. Like, is there anything behind that? And I just got kind of curious. And then when I was in Italy in the summer of 2019, researching my book, Cheese, Wine, and Bread, the entire wine section takes place in Italy. So I spent a month here traveling all around the country, visiting vineyards, (laughs) drinking a lot of wine. It was fantastic. And amid all of that, I... I made time to go to which my ancestral where? town and uh, fa- which is in Basilicata, right next to Puglia, actually, really close to where I am right now. And um, found my great grandfather's birth certificate, uh, which I was, I, ca- I can't, I still can't believe that I found it because I had so much incorrect information I was working with. But you know what they say about persistence and it paid off. <laughs> and I, and I got the birth certificate and that's, what opened the door to so many things, so many possibilities and like, whoa, 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 whoa. Okay, wait, so now I have, I think I can maybe get dual citizenship if I want it. And that's when those thoughts really kind of started to go. So that was when I was researching the book in 2019. Fast forward to when Connor found out, hey, the company's going under and you've got to get out of London. At that time, I had collected pretty much all the documents I needed and was like, let's go to okay. Italy and let's try and get citizenship. Um, this is uh, fucking incredible. Um, because, I'll tell you why. Because there's the tenacity that you had and the, um, the, the discipline to go through this, but there's also some divine intervention that was happening here, right? So, you know, perhaps yeah, the universe totally. was saying, we're going to put you in London so that you could work on this because something bad is about bad in quotes is about to happen and you're going to, and you're going to need, you're going to need this. Right, so exactly. this is fascinating. So let's take a pin in that for a quick second. And I want to give you a quick personal story that is uh, similar to this. So, um, I spent, uh, last year, I spent four months right before COVID, my last week uh, in Italy. I lived in Florence uh, for four months. It was amazing. And um, <gasps> I left Florence and I came back to where yeah. I'm living now, which is in uh, Hermosa Beach in Los Angeles, and uh, which I'm going to talk to you about in a second. But prior to me going there, I watched a news report um, with an attorney. They were just doing this report on how these Americans that are living in New York are... Um, seeking out um, living back where their grandparents lived and moving back to places like Tuscany. And they interviewed a lawyer who does um, dual citizenship, et cetera. And it went in one ear and out the other. And I thought, well, that's really interesting. Okay. I didn't, I didn't put, you know, two and two together. Um, I should have, and I, I didn't. So I went to Florence, um, go out to dinner one night um, with a friend that I made there. And he said, you know, I got to introduce you to a friend of mine He's a lawyer. Um, you guys would hit it off. He's a great guy. So I go out to dinner. I meet his friends and I asked him what he did. And he said, I do dual citizenships for people in America, mostly blah, blah, blah. And I said, oh my God, I, I, a couple of months ago, I just saw a news report on that. He said, who'd you see it on? I said, hold on. So I YouTubed it and I was like, holy shit, it was you. Oh my God. <laughs> it was you. And then that led into a conversation about whether or not I could get it because my great grandmother came from Naples. So I am in the process of doing that same exact thing. And it's been about eight months, not easy with COVID getting documentation. Right. We're we're in the process of hunting it down. So I know full well what you are going through. So if for whatever reason you hit a wall and you need somebody, he's awesome. And I just did an interview with him and it should be out next week on the podcast. So you could hear it. And if you need help, he'd be a great guy to use. Good to know. And I'm going to, I'm going to seek it out. I actually uh, just received citizenship. So I, oh you, got, oh, you got it. So I am a citizen now. I don't have my passport yet, but I, I am officially a citizen. Yeah. How lo- Congratulations. And how long did it take? Thank you. Uh, well, from the time that I moved here, yeah. It took about three and a half months. I got it like two weeks ago. 
Probably. So it took you th- from, I mean, from the beginning collection of documents until no. getting it. Yeah. So from the uh, f- two years. Yeah. That's about what they say. They say it takes yeah. a couple of years. Some people yeah. it's, it's longer. COVID is not helping things. COVID is not helping anything, but it, it, what really expedited the process was moving here and was pursuing it on the ground here in Italy because doing it through U.S. consulates or sorry, through Italian consulates in the U.S. Um, I mean, that, that adds like eight to 14 months. Yeah, for sure. Okay, so now this is really this is really interesting because I 15 years ago I got married in Positano. <laughs> and uh, I actually got married by the mayor of Positano, which I thought was very impressive until I later that night saw him working as a waiter. Um, oh. which sort of like burst my little bubble that it wasn't oh. as impressive <laughs> as I as I thought it was going to be. But, oh, but it's kind of cute though. It's like quaint. It, it's a it's a great story. But what I learned in this process is how freaking difficult bureaucracy is in mm. Italy. We had to get the Marca de Bolo and we had, it was like the amazing race and we had a flight. It was, it was yes. nuts. I remember yes. when we, when we, when we had to get our marriage certificate, I said to him, do you use the, there was a computer that had a cover on it. And I said, do you use the computer? And he said, I don't trust it. And I said, you don't trust it. He opens up basically like a Snow White Disney book and hand writes them. I was like, so when I think about that and that bureaucracy for you, you, I'm assuming did not speak Italian when you came there, right? Or did you? Uh, no, I, I did take um, some lessons in London ahead of coming. Um, okay. Did so it help? very, very basic. Yes. Yeah. It helped, but very, very basic. But I have been really pedal to the metal. I mean, that is like, that is the thing I think about when I wake up in the morning. It's the thing I think about when I go to sleep at night. Like I am all in on really, really becoming proficient in this language. And okay. sto, so migliorando. Uh, <laughs> all right. So let's, let's, let's dig into that because I know a lot of people want to learn a language. Okay. Mm-hmm. So I, um, I messaged you and I asked you who you're using and you gave me the name of iTalk. So I signed I-talky. up. Italki. 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 That sounds like you don't really talk, but Italki. Okay. <laughs> I know. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay. Italki. Somebody could have come up with a better name, but okay. So Italki, which is basically where you can, you know, you can, you can, you can hire a teacher in their native country uh, to do it. So I had my first lesson uh, last week on <gasps> Saturday. Valentina, oh, cool. Valentina is my girl. And um, <laughs> so, you know, we're starting to go through this process. So a few questions on this. Um, is your, obviously you live in Italy, so you could practice very easily walking outside your door. Yes. Two, two questions on that. One is most people speak English now around the world. So do you begin to speak Italian and they answer you in English because they realize you're struggling? Does that happen? So it is the beautiful thing about living in a small, in a small city, a town in Southern Italy, um, they do not speak English here. Ah. It is actually very rare. I've even like, I've gone to doctors, I've gone to kind of these more professional people who in many, I mean, Milan, Florence, Rome, forget about it. They would speak to you in English the moment they even saw you, right? Because I'm... right. I yeah. I look American basically. You, you look like you walked out of America. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. And um, and that 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 does not happen here. So that helps my language improvement. Okay, so I did um, last year. I did uh, part of that four months. We did one of those months in Lecce. So <gasps> yes. yeah, I'm very I familiar. Love, I love love Lecce. It's like a walk in another universe. Um, yeah. It's it's like nothing you've ever seen before. So people do the the usual. They move to Rome. They move to Florence. Why Puglia? Why, out of all the places, most people don't even know Puglia. Most Americans don't even know what Puglia is. Why did you go there? Okay, two reasons. I'll give you the first kind of initial reason, which is funny because it ended up being wrong. I really needed to get my Italian geography straight. I thought that my great-grandfather was from Puglia. I didn't realize that that Tursi, the town he was from, is actually, it's technically just over the, the Basilicata Puglia border. So it's not, so I was like, I'm going to Puglia. That's where my bisnono is from. And then 
anyway, that's just a funny story because I had my eyes set on Puglia for that reason. And then it's like, well, guess what? He's not from there. But I had I already had my eyes on Puglia for that reason. And then found this firm, an agency that helps, sounds very much like this lawyer that you know, um, that helps people get citizenship on the ground here. And uh, they have connections. They know people at certain comunes, certain city hall, certain city halls in Puglia, specifically in Puglia. So I was like, perfect. That's where I want to go anyway. And that's where they offer their services. So I signed up with them. And then, of course, I realized, oh, Bisnono is from Basilicata. Well, okay, I'll still, I'll still go to Puglia. And do you they feel were like, like, do you feel like you were called to Puglia because, because specifically of your, your ancestors or, or like, is it, is it about weather? Is it about ocean? Is it about lifestyle? Like, because it seems like it's an unusual choice unless it was driven by your, your grandfather. Yeah. I, I mean, I, 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 I do feel like I was drawn to it. And I, the initial reason absolutely was my grandfather. Also, I mean, partially it's like I had been to Leche before and I loved Leche and I loved, I just love this part of Italy. It's, it's history is in Incredible. I mean, the Arabs, the Spanish, the French, they've all been here. They and and not only have they all been here, and then it's there are traces of them here. And so a, a big part, you probably know this, Rob, a big part of language in Italy goes so much further beyond standard Italian. Every region has its own dialect. And within Puglia, there are dialects that are so different that, that people from Lecce in the Salento part of Puglia, if they speak in dialect to the people in Trani, where I am living, just north, just a couple hours north, if they're speaking to each other in their own dialects, they cannot understand a word each other are saying. And it's because one language was in one dialect was influenced from you know, some settlers who came through long ago and the other dialect was influenced by a different century of linguistic knowledge. Yeah, it's it's incredible. You know, I mean, in the world of Zoom now and telephones, et cetera, and, you know, the world is becoming flatter. Um, yeah. But, you know, there, uh, I, for some reason or another, I don't, I don't know that's going to happen. So, you know, look, here's the thing. This is a, this is an interesting conversation to have with somebody like you, but I think people give a lot of consideration to the kind of work that they're doing, but they don't give much consideration to where they're doing Mm. that work, right? And your environment right now of living in Italy is really dictating your life, your food, your passion, et cetera. Is living La Dolce Vita (laughs) all it's cracked up to be for you? And do you see yourself staying there long-term? I love this question. Y- yes, it is all it's cracked up to be and more for me. And when I love that you make the tie to my professional world, which I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm so intrigued by what you were talking about of like striking the balance between, you know, working too hard and playing too hard and, and really finding the balance that resonates so deeply with, with me and my life. And like my work is my joy. My work is what I would do <laughs> if I didn't have to work. That being said, I'm I'm like very much a type A person and I'm very driven, very motivated. And so that's why my slogan is keep it quirky. My personal slogan and also like I end every YouTube video, I post weekly on YouTube and every video I end with keep it quirky because... I believe that life is more fun if you keep it quirky. And it's it's something I remind myself because I can take things so, so seriously. And it's like, dude, Katie, you're making a video about, uh, about like, you know... Focaccia, I got focaccia. it. Focaccia, exactly, exactly, exactly. It's like, chill out, keep it quirky. Anyway, so sorry, that, that, was, that was a bit of a tangent. But professionally and personally, living here has 
been such a rich experience. In fact, I have found new motivation, new inspiration everywhere I look. Every time I step out my door, I get new ideas. And new ideas for for video content, new ideas for, for future books I could write, even new ideas for like, you know, writing short stories, writing fiction. Like it's just like everywhere you look, there's there's so much to take in. Um, and so yeah, to to quickly answer your question, La Dolce Vita, although it has come with its challenges, it has absolutely lived up to the hype. Yeah, it's it's an interesting conversation. Um so one of the things that I wanted to do, I'm always looking for, well, I want to make one comment first on what you said, which I think is important. When someone reaches a point, a lot of listeners to this show have not reached the point that you're at where you're absolutely, you know, you've escaped the nine to five, you're not in the cubicle and you are living the life that you dreamed of doing work that inspires you doing work that's fulfilling. And in fact, you could do it all day. There's a, there's a double edge to that. And the double edge is that you'll do it all day mm. and you will largely ignore other areas of your life because you love what you do. So, you know, it's like, yes. I, I work with people, you know, when I do coaching with people, it's like the nine to five people that all they want to do is get out to get it. But then when they got it, it's like, they love what they do. So they do it all the time, which is these pictures you see behind me. I do events around the world and I take uh, high-end entrepreneurs um, on all kinds of different events to force them to get out of doing the thing that they love to do so that they're doing something new. That's incredible. So, so that was that was the first thing. The um, the second thing that you said, I really worked hard to say, I want to change my life. I was living in Atlanta for 25 years and I want to do something different. I want to come out and I want to be, I hate humidity. I hate bugs. Um, I want to be in you know 70 degrees, blue skies all year round. And I want to surf. So I moved out to LA. I live at the beach and I love it. So on a scale of like one to 10, it feels like a 10 for me, right? But when I think about Italy, I can't get out of my head that I miss it. There's something, mm. there's something that I can't quite put into words. It's a feeling. And then my wife did something really interesting uh, last weekend. She said, I want you to go back when we were living in Florence. I want you to read one of, one of your posts that you wrote. And one of the posts went something like this. Um, I'm looking out at the uh, the the orange apricot beams coming off of the terracotta hitting me in the eye. And I'm like, who the hell am I? Francis Mays? Like, where, <laughs> where did this, like, who is that guy? And where did this come from? And then I said to her, you know, it just feels like when I'm in Italy, it's like, it's an assault on the senses. It's, mm. it's everything. It's food, it's family, it's fashion. It's, it's mm. like, it's just, it's, blinding you. And here it's like sunny and 70 and surfing and Mexican food. And, and it's yeah. just, and it's, it, that's it. It just stops. <laughs> but, but that is perfect for what I want, but it doesn't have the totality of it. So long story short, um, I spoke to a friend of mine and he said, well, I have a question for you. I said, I don't know if I should go to Italy. I, it's really good where I am. He said, here's a question. If you had two years left to live, would you spend those last two years in Italy or the, or the States? And hmm. in an instant, I knew, I knew it was, I knew it was Italy. So, um, we are moving and, oh. um, yeah, we're moving to Florence and, um, we are in the process of putting that together. We got another year left on our, uh, at least where we are in LA, but we're in the process of enrolling our six-year-old into the international school of Florence. Oh. And yeah. It's, uh, it's oh exciting. Oh my God, congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. It's really exciting. So excited for you. Yeah, it's really exciting. So, okay, now we're rounding the corner to the most important part of this interview, which is chi chi Chinese cheese, wine, and bread. <laughs> Not Chinese, cheese, wine, and bread. Tell me about it and why did you write this book? So, I, it is about cheese, wine, and bread. It's very, I, I gathered, <laughs> I gathered. I, I, did, uh, I, I didn't think I didn't think it was going to be about real estate. <laughs> Although that or would immob be it. Immobiliati. Yeah, real real curveball. Yeah, well done. Thank you. Bono, bono. <laughs> um, uh, so the subtitle is "Discovering the Magic of Fermentation in England, Italy, and France," and the the reason I wrote it was to circle back to 
the, the beginning of our conversation, Rob, when you asked about what was it like moving to London? And I said, it honestly, I was a fish out of water. I didn't expect it. The way that I found my center, the way that I found myself again, because that was a real, and like right around that is like three months later, Connor and I got married and it was just like life. It was just going too fast. Um, and, and all of the work I had in the States dried up when I moved to London. I assumed that everything would just continue as it went because the internet, right? Uh, but when you're working with US-based brands to make your money, as I was, that dried up. And I was like, oh, shit, what do I, what do, I do? What were you doing? I was, I was a professional video creator. So, I, I mean, I was a 100% YouTuber. So when you say it dried up, what part dried up? The views on YouTube or getting no, gigs to edit videos? Views continued. In fact, I was getting more views because my audience was was widening. It was the brand. So the the real way you make money being a YouTuber is not the views. That's like pocket change. Right? That's like whatever. It's enough to buy groceries or something. Um, unless you get millions and millions and millions of views. The, the way that 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 is a viable lifestyle is that you partner with brands. It's like the uh. native advertising. Um, so in other words, I would, I would make a dish and I would use a specific brand of olive oil, right? Like none Got of it. the ingredients I used were branded except for this one ingredient. And when I use it, there's a nice, sexy close up of it. And the slow motion of the olive oil coming out of the it's, pro it's product placement and, and you're making porn out of the olive oil. Got it. Yeah, got it. Right, how do right. you, how do you get the brand? How do you get the brand's relationship? Do you have to reach out to them or they find you? Uh, a little bit of both. It's a little bit of both. The thing that was made the biggest difference for me at that, in, in that stage of my career, it's, it's a little different now, but in that stage of my career, I had partnered with a, it's called an MCN. That's kind of YouTube lingo, multi-channel network. Um, and these are companies that aggregate YouTube channels, usually around a certain theme. Um, and then the big companies go to these agencies, these companies, and say, this is the kind of content we want. This is the kind of personality we want, like XYZ. And then that... Uh, that agency would call me. So it acted like um, like an agent. <laughs> Got it. Got it. Yeah. Um, so those that agency was based in America. And so all of the companies that they, all of the food brands and other companies that they worked with were based in America. And me living in London, even though I was still putting my videos on the same YouTube channel, uh, the brands were like, nope, sorry, that comes out of a different budget. That's... Uh, that's out of our purview. I, I mean, I still got some work, but it just, but. So it's, so it's geo-targeted. Yeah. Yeah. Got it. Got it. Okay. And so the, just to make sure that I'm tracking. So when you went to Italy, you were out of that geo fence that you needed to when be When I in? went to England. When you went to England. So the YouTube videos in New York were in a certain geo fence that they wanted, but when you went there, it was not. Correct. And it was it just because it, you upload it from London I think, I think it had, I think that was part of it. I think that another part of it was more behind the scenes in terms of these companies themselves and the, the budget that they had to work with in which they would pay creators like me. There was some red tape around uh, paying people who live in other countries. Got it. Which is why when I go to Italy and I try and play my Spotify account, I get a message, you can't play uh, this song. I mean, that's a great example. That's a fantastic example. Yeah. And I you know, didn't anticipate it. So I found myself in London, just completely knocked off of... Yeah, what do I do? Yeah, what what do I do? And and I I found myself on like a cellular level... I was drawn to cheese, wine, and bread. These things, like I, I was. It was an emotional time. Like I said again, it was like, oh shit, sure. I'm getting married. Sorry, am I allowed to cuss on this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I've, okay. I've already, I've already dropped five f bombs, so you're fine. Okay, yeah, okay, okay, beautiful, great. Um, I was going through some stuff, Rob. I was going through some yeah. stuff, and um, 
cheese, wine, and bread just drew me, just drew me. And then I started cheesemongering at the preeminent cheese shop in London called Neil's Yard Dairy. And that's really where the the book idea kind of took off. Okay. So when you say cheesemongering, the only the only mongering I have in my head is Jesus was a fishmonger. So <laughs> I'm ass, I'm assuming that mongering is one who cheeses. Yes. Well, yeah. Okay. Okay. Got <laughs> give it. Or take. So, yeah. So give basically, or take. the person behind the the slate at a cheese shop. So at a shop that is entirely dedicated to and obsessed with cheese. The, these are the people dressed in kind of with like the newsboy hats and the yeah. almost like the the white lab coats. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, 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 like yeah. Cheese is is everything. Cheese is life. Have you watched MasterChef Massimo Batora's MasterChef episode? Yes. Wait, no, the, wait. The MasterChef or the um, Chef's Table? Sorry, Chef's Table. Yes, I have watched that. Okay, because I remember when they went into the the um, the uh, 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 what what am I thinking? What's the word of the cheese? The the Romano Romano pa- Parmigiano Reggiano. Thank you. Um, yeah. And they're they're hammering it and listening, yeah. and they're opening up to this beautiful thing. And you don't so realize gorgeous. that 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 stuff is you know, which as Americans, what do we yeah. eat? Yellow yellow cheese, like yeah. it's you know. <laughs> It's craft. It grew. It, it was. It was mongered in the craft factory in New Jersey. Exactly. That's all. Yeah. This is what. This is what we know, right? Which is probably right. not even. Not even cheese. But that's another conversation. Okay. So now you're. Are you feeling like you're looking for comfort in the cheese and the bread and the wine, and that's what got you into it? Is that what? At that time in your life, that's what got you excited about this. I was. I mean, comfort in one way, but I was I was looking for community, ah. I, and 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 then being a cheesemonger and being is like cheese connected all of us. Mm-hmm. You know, it was like we're all obsessed with cheese, Got and it. you know, I, I should mention just so it doesn't sound like like so so random that, like I said, the video projects were less and less, but. I did have some super clutch ones. And one of those video projects I had shortly after moving to London was a series of videos that I was hired to do for the Comte Cheese Association. Comte is a kind of French cheese. It's a style okay. of cheese. Okay. They hired me to make a video series about their cheese. So they took me to France, to the Jura region of France, right along the Switzerland border, and to do basically this deep dive into their cheese. So I did this video series for them, for my YouTube channel, right? Per per usual. And I mean, I liked cheese, of course. Like I would say like, I love cheese, but I didn't know what that meant. I didn't know how cheese became cheese. Like, you know, I didn't know that like milk needs to be turned into curds and whey. And then that the, the curds are the things that are, you know, I just, it was, it was an incredible opportunity. Like this video project that I did changed. I mean, I I could say that it changed my life because it led to me like saying, hold up, hold up. I'm super interested in this cheese world. Like typically I dip my toe in something, do a video about it. I move on. I go to the next video. I dip my toe in the next thing. I did not want to stop learning about cheese. I was like, okay, where's the next cheese place I can go to do this other video? And that's why then when I got back to London, finished up that project, edited all those videos, was on to the next job, which I quickly remembered, oh yeah, I don't have a next job right now. <laughs> I was like, what should I do? And I was like, well, gosh, I'm like totally into this cheese thing right now. And so I talked to my contact at the Comte Cheese Association. I was like, hey, I just want you to know, like, like thank you so much. This, this job was incredible. I, I feel like completely enamored with this process that I've just experienced getting to talk to the farmers behind the cheese and the and the people who craft the cheese like i mean like thank you this was so incredible and he was like well you live in london you should go go to neil's yard dairy they they have some of the best cheeses in the world 
In fact, I know someone at Neil's Yard Dairy. Here, I'll connect you with them. He sent an email that connected us. And the next week I was there and I was... And I was a cheesemonger. <laughs> well, you know what's interesting to me? What's interesting is that I'm curious as to why France didn't pop up on your radar before Italy did. Oh, and yeah, no, that's a great question. And it's it's something that I reference in the book because I'm like, yo, I'm sure a lot of you are going to be like, why not, why not cheese in France? Because I did bread in France for the book. And it was simply circumstantial. Like I began my cheese journey in England. Uh. Also- England has an incredible cheese history that I didn't know about. I think a lot of people don't know about, but like Stilton is from England. Cheddar was born in England. Like we Americans think of cheddar and we think of Wisconsin. No, there is a town in England, in the Somerset region of England called Cheddar. And it's named because that's where Cheddar was born. And so there's just incredible history and incredible cheese is still being made there. All right, so two things, and then we're gonna we're gonna wrap with some rapid fire questions. One is we haven't talked much about uh, Connor. How is Connor liking living in Italy? He he loves it. And actually, when you mentioned uh, how surfing was kind of like a part of your yeah. motivation for for your move, he's learning to surf here because we live on the Adriatic, and there's no a surf kidding. club. Yeah, and so he has. It, like just learned to surf. In fact, earlier this week, he was so stoked when he got back. It was like over like lunch break, he'll just go and surf and come back. And he was like, I, I stood up multiple times. Oh, like, it's uh, you can have him reach out to me. It's, uh, you know, I'll be 50, I'll be 55 this year. It's not so easy to lie on your belly, go from lying on your belly to standing up. Yeah. Oh my. And he's like a super sporty guy. And so he was like, Oh, no problem. I mean, he was out in the waves for a long time before he was able to Stand. It's it's like it's like nothing. I mean, think about what you're doing. You're lying in a wetsuit generally on a slippery board, trying to go from lying on your belly to standing up and then stay there and then surf a wave. Like it's not I tried it, I tried it once actually in California and I was not successful. And then my arms really hurt at the end of it. So yeah. it's, it's it's popping up. It's it's not yeah. so easy. Uh, yeah. but he's but he's enjoying living in Italy. He is loving it. He's also gotten really into learning the language. Also has, he actually has a couple italki tutors at this point. Um, How how many days a week do you do italki? I do italki like three days a week, probably. Um, And and he he does like five days a week. Oh, he's doing it. Well, and it's because in order for him to get his citizenship as my spouse, he needs to pass a language test. Is your wife aware of this? (laughs) She's not happy about this. Um, (laughs) Well, I tell you what what we're less happy about is what we have to do to get a driver's license. Oh, yeah. So we actually just leased a car. We, You and I can talk offline about this if you want, but we, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's it's, it's, It's a uh, thing. it's absolute insanity. All right. So we're going to do a, uh, oh, I wanted to ask you another question. Um, somebody, uh, when I tweeted that you were out uh, here uh, or whatever, I call everything tweet, but something, it was a DM. Somebody asked me, they love your videos. Tell me about the tech that you use and what kind of editing software. All right. So thank you. First of all, I'm so glad that you dig my videos, a uh, person who commented that. And uh, I use a Sony A7S II as my... the camera body. Uh, My main... I do have a couple of Sony lenses, including like a a macro, which is really nice for like the super up-close food shots. But my main go-to lens is actually an old Canon lens that I had with my 5D Mark II, which was my camera body lens before. It's just a 25 to... What is it? 25 to 1... Oh, I should know this off the top of my head. I'm such a... That's okay. 25 okay, to but- 170 or something. And it's it's my go-to lens. And then I edit on Adobe Premiere Pro. Adobe Premiere Pro. Is that easier than the Apple one? Uh, than Final Cut Pro? Yeah. yeah. Uh, I don't know. I, di- I did learn Final Cut Pro and I think it was pretty intuitive... I switched to Adobe Premiere Pro because their soft it was it was just better. It, and I think Final Cut has maybe with newer versions stepped up, but Adobe Premiere Pro is just really good at what it does. Does the camera allow you to see yourself while you're speaking? No, that's one of its major major setbacks. However, I 
hook up my phone to the camera, just Bluetooth, and yeah. I'm able to. So what I do is I check. I check. So I have my phone like next to me any given time, and I'm able to look at it and check it um, and use it. In in some ways, it's better than lens uh, viewfinder that yeah uh, that faces out. Right, because I can I can put this in my pocket and then pop it out when I want to, or I can put it next to me, or it's a little more versatile in that way. Got it. All right, we're going to do some quick rapid fire round of questions. Answer as quickly or as slowly as you like. Do you collect anything, or have you ever collected anything? Um, I collected Grateful Dead little teddy bears when I was like in elementary school, and uh, I don't even know where they are now. So, no, I'm not a big collector of things. That is a very weird thing for an elementary yeah. school girl to collect. I know, but I know. There's gotta, it's got to be a crazy story there. What's one thing you want to get better at? Italian. Okay. What book have you reread the most? Okay. I actually thought about this earlier in our conversation. In Altre Parole by Jhumpa Lahiri. It's, its English title is In Other Words. She's a Pulitzer Prize winning author of The Namesake of... You know, it was made into a film. She she's an incredible author, and she has become so in love with the Italian language that she wrote a book in Italian about learning Italian, and it is amazing. And I have read it. I'm like on my third time of reading it now. It's fantastic. All right, I'm looking it up. In other words, and what's her name? Jumpa Lahiri. So J H U M P A last name L A H I R I. And right. if you read it in English or in Italian, um, it is, it's a fantastic book. Well, the only thing I could do is read it in English. So that's going to be perfect. Or it'll what, help you learn Italian. That's what it's done for me. I, 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 suppose, I suppose so. What's your, guilt, <laughs> what's your guilty pleasure? My guilty pleasure is Nutella. <laughs> it's so fucking good. It's, it's unbelievable. It's crazy good. It's too they good. Could, they could put it on broccoli and I'll eat it. It's unbelievable. Yeah, yeah. Um, what is one thing that you're afraid of? right now? I am afraid of... Uh, wow, we're going to get kind of deep. What am I going to... Well, uh, let's see. <laughs> I know this is supposed to be rapid fire. I'm afraid of um, my life, my, my real adult life when it starts not shaking out the way I want it to go in terms of family life and professional life. You mean if you have a kid, what the hell happens to your life? Yeah, yeah, it's 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 <laughs> pretty it's, much. It's it's not easy. I'm gonna tell you. I'm gonna tell you this uh, only because I have two. I have a 23 year old and a six year old, so I feel oh, wow. very I feel very qualified to answer that question. You are. Um, I will tell you that um, I made the mistake with the 23 year old. She's she's not a mistake in any way, but I made the mistake of sort of like building my life around her. Um, instead of um, what I'm doing now with a six-year-old is bringing her into my life. And mm. an example of that would me mean uh, or be that she has, we're now having to apply for her second passport because her first passport is full. So, <gasps> so she just goes every, everywhere in the world we go um, oh. and she's just with us. So you can absolutely do it. It's absolutely hard as shit, but it is... You're you're trading a moment. It's when you have like a, a day full of like stress and anxiety, and oh my god, we're homeschooling and we're we're doing Skype. We're doing like she's never been to kindergarten. We're doing Skype on kindergarten because of COVID. It's really really hard. But then then there's a moment where she looks up at you and says, "Daddy, I love you so much." Mm. And it, it everything is out the window, and you are just in love. And it is a it is a deeper love than you will ever experience in your life. And I wouldn't trade it for the world. So um, as with anything, it's hard, but worth it. Hmm. I love I hope that. that. I hope that helped. It did. Thank you. <laughs> well, Katie, this has been every bit um, of what I hoped it was going to be. Um, do you have any final words, suggestions, or an ask for the people that are listening? You should go get my book, Cheese, Wine, and Bread, because I poured my heart and soul into it. And I'm so freaking proud of it. And I can't wait to get it in people's hands. Can I tell you how much I love that? I love people <laughs> asking for what they want. Just <laughs> fucking say it. 
I killed myself in this book so you can have, so you can benefit from it. Is it going to kill you to come up with 20 bucks for the book? Um, this was perfect. I will link up everything we've discussed in uh, the show notes. And um, do you feel like you want to answer the superpower question? My superpower question. Yeah. Go ahead. It's being goofy and weird. Yes. <laughs> Quirky. Yeah, exactly. It's being all the quirky that I can be. Katie, thanks again. Rob, thank you so much. This was such a joy. All right. Thanks for listening. If you love this episode and you know someone that needs some help in either stepping up their work hard game or their play hard game, it would mean the world to me if you shared this podcast with them to help me get this movement out there. So if you like what you heard, head on over to iTunes, take 30 seconds and leave me a five-star review and I will be forever grateful. So until the next episode, excuses are over. It's time to live. 